Welcome back to It's Not About the Bunny, the podcast about Twin Peaks. I'm Caroline. And I'm Brian. And this is the second half of our discussion of the season two finale. We had a lot to say, so let's dive in. It's not that um, Truman and company shouldn't need Cooper for that, Mm -hmm. but that um, sort of like what the log lady said in the intro, that it is best to kind of learn to reconcile all of these dualities and ambiguities and learn how they can all coexist as part of the same thing rather than trying to sort them into buckets of, you know, well, this was Leland and this was Bob Mm -hmm. and this was Laura and this was somebody else. And this was Laura acting out of her true character. And this was Laura acting out of trauma. Right. Right. Um, and this is good and this is bad. This is the good in Twin Peaks. This is the bad in Twin Peaks. They all exist all together. They influence each other. Um, they're all one thing. Mm. And that is something that throughout the show, Truman especially has had a hard time dealing with. And I think Cooper has kind of enabled that. Yeah. Um, and that is something that Truman can't let go of. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in many ways, Cooper was brought to Twin Peaks to assist Twin Peaks in drawing those lines, making those distinctions, yeah. mm-hmm. wrapping up, uh, you know, tying up loose ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, it goes along with it, and and that leads him to this tragic end. Yeah. You know, we've talked about the Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe he's the, the the wicker man victim. Yeah, maybe. You know, brought in uh, the lawman brought into town mm-hmm. to investigate something going on. Yeah. And then, even though here the town is literally conspiring to to put him into the wicker man or right. the black lodge, mm-hmm. um, it's because he's there to help them that mm-hmm. uh, that this. And that is his fate. Mm-hmm. Well, it, and it's what, um, what's the other Renault brother's name? Um, I don't know. Yeah, Jacques the, and Jean. Jean. Um, what he says in the final, his final confrontation with Cooper <clears throat> is that you brought the nightmare with you. Right. You are the one who made things how they're not supposed to be because you are the one who came in and tried to like put things into these boxes with you know consequences when we were all just fine selling our drugs (laughs) and pimping out our girls and um you know also being lawyers and doctors and um mill workers and it was all just part of one system that was working together and that worked Mm -hmm. and that cooper is the one who not that he makes sense of everything but that he disrupts things right by trying to explain them yeah but this seems a little contradictory now yeah sure um like i don't think that's what the log lady meant that no i don't think so that no of course not i see it more like uh just to adjust it a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, whether Cooper's there or not, yes, the crime in Twin Peaks is the repression, yeah, and yeah. externalizing of mm-hmm. something. It's just like saying there's something in the woods, yeah, not in Twin Peaks, right? You know, right. Or it comes from Canada. It's across the border. Mm-hmm. It's something external, yeah. But that's no, that's something within you that you 
concretized mm -hmm. and externalized and otherized. Yeah, and then, I guess. And then it has to re, because it's still you, it has to find equilibrium by returning as pure evil. Mm -hmm. um, and Cooper, uh, that was happening already. Mm -hmm. And in a way, what Cooper is doing is there's a, it is contradictory. What Cooper is doing has within it a contradiction mm -hmm. because he has a genuine good. Yeah. But he, believes that being good means following the law and enforcing the law. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I, a better version of what I was trying to say is that Cooper is somebody who um, arrives in Twin Peaks and uncovers all of these contradictions and this darkness. And by doing that, he tries to make it part of a process of continued otherizing of those contradictions. Right. Yeah. And he uncovers them in order so that he can separate them out and yes. put them aside, um, not repress them. Right. Because he, he does want to find them, but he wants to find them in order to get rid of them, not in order to integrate them into his concept or anybody else's exactly. concept of what Twin Peaks is. Exactly. Yes. So, you know, Renault is somebody who is fine with all of that being depressed as long as it, uh, or, or repressed as long as it's allowed to continue. Yes. Um, and Truman is somebody who wants it otherized. Yeah, no, it's like from Renault's perspective, the repression is an engine. Yeah. Is the oil. Mm -hmm. uh, an engine of repressed desires. Yeah. That becomes a machine mm -hmm. that you can make money off of. Yeah. And that is good business. And right. that's the status quo for him. Mm -hmm. What Cooper does is come in, instead of doing uh, really what law enforcement should, uh, should mm -hmm. do from Renault's perspective, yeah. which is keeping a machine running, mm -hmm. he goes in and starts, um, yeah, he's like uncovering, he's like taking the engine out of the hood mm -hmm. to bring everything to light. And it doesn't yeah. work anymore. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like real freudianism versus like this vulgar pop freudianism yeah. where what sigmund freud and later anna freud said which is that repression is something that is socially necessary for any of us to function yes um it's something that we have to do in order to have families and workplaces and societies that can do anything mm -hmm. we we have all of these desires and we should understand them and acknowledge that they're there, but we can't let them just out. Mm -hmm. Whereas Cooper is operating with this like 1950s um, TV movie version of it, where what you need to do is find out what is being repressed mm -hmm. and uncover it yeah. so that you can get rid of it. Exactly. And so that you don't feel those things anymore. Right. And um, maybe a more Jungian or uh, I think what Lynch would call a healthier um, psychological method would be you need to integrate those. You, you need to acknowledge that they are all part of one thing. Right. Or even a Christian view. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. there's a heavy Christian overtones here that what is needed is regeneration. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. Um... And I think that brings us to the Red Room, which we're going to have to talk about. Yes. So a lot happens in the Red Room. Yeah. It's confusing. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to keep track of it because it's not linear. No. 
So we're going to go through a lot of it. We may miss some details mm -hmm. and we may not, we won't necessarily go in exactly the order that things happen. Right. But I'm trying to do as, uh, as much as I can. Yeah. To follow the, the unfolding of this. Right. And I think it's, again, it's like by explaining it, you're just saying it, but worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we should remember this is, this is art. It's not, um, it's not math and it's, it's not a map. Yes. It's, um, it is the thing itself, not the map of the thing. And so any interpretation of it is going to be necessarily flawed mm -hmm. because no interpretation can be as full as just experiencing it with all of the ambiguities and suggestions that you don't quite understand and feelings that you don't really right. follow um it's impressionistic it's not supposed to be right. um like a one-to-one -one symbolist thing yeah well you might say that the explanation is multiple and the truth is one yeah yeah i like that yeah so in the early scenes of the red room Cooper seems kind of frozen. He's in the chair again. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he he can't, he's not an active participant. He's right. just sort of watching mm -hmm. uh, as the man from another place is um, telling him various things yes. that don't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. When you see me again, I won't be me. Yeah, and some of these things, you know, I said that a lot of this wasn't really like domesticated or processed in the return but some of it was obviously when mm -hmm. when i see you you see me again i won't be me yeah that comes back well they had to they couldn't uh cast the actor again because he went off his rocker and well we don't know what happened uh accused david lich of all kinds of things including murdering jack nance yeah which i don't think happened and uh and generally is like posting anti-semitic mm -hmm. conspiracy theories and whatnot yeah it's not it's not great uh but they so they, but they brought him back as like a kind of brain tree yeah <laughs> <laughs> right. i don't know how else to describe it yeah yeah the and, evolution of the arm is the how it shows up in the credits on the return because he's the arm of mike he's the arm of mike uh which is supposed to explain something but the more you think about it the less it explains anything mm -hmm. yeah when we get to our big episode on the red room we'll talk about that maybe yes um and and uh we have so the man from another place says that a lot of your friends are here mm -hmm. and we see laura wearing a black dress yeah have we seen that dress before? Yeah, I think it's the same one she's been wearing. In the Red Room. In the Red Room, right. yeah. We, we've never known her to wear it outside of the Red Room. Right. That's kind of an old-fashioned mm -hmm. dress, right? Yeah. And we see the old man, mm -hmm. the, the bellhop. Yeah, the waiter. And the giant. Yes. Now, this kind of made my head explode <laughs> i forgot yeah. that this happened right i did too and it's um yeah it's especially difficult because we are told in this episode again that cooper is in the black lodge mm -hmm. which is not the good place yes 
And the giant has been presented purely as a helper. Yeah. Much more so than the man from another place or anybody else who lives in the Red Room. Yes. Um, with the maybe exception of Laura. She spends a lot of time there. And mm -hmm. she obviously wants to help solve her right. own murder. Um, and does. But what is the giant doing there? Yeah. And the man from another place says that he says one and the same while the giant oh, sits I thought the next giant to... said one and the same. Oh, right. You're right. The giant says one and the same as they sit next to each other. So what does that mean? <laughs> and is it really the giant? Is it really the giant? Is That's it, or is it, a do is it the giant's shadow self? Do, do these but, figures have shadow selves? Yeah, I don't know. I don't and, know that they do. Yes. But the, we should always keep in mind that this place, this realm, mm -hmm. is has a nature to be confusing and yeah. fluid mm -hmm. and dreamlike. And again, it is in some sense a creation out of yeah. Cooper's psyche. Right. Um, so... And maybe that's the sense of, that it's a waiting room. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's, that's what the man from another place also says. This is the waiting room. It certainly seems connected to the Black Lodge, but mm -hmm. it's maybe a place where the boundaries are still murky. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the idea that, well, you know, so the giant and the arm, if they are one and the same, if mm -hmm. we can take that at face value, it's still, it's, you know, we think of the giant as good mm -hmm. and the arm as, or the man from another place as, uh, he's been sort of a neutral figure, yeah. but as this scene goes on, or these scenes, he becomes a lot more sinister. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's almost like gleeful about what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to see him as a force of good. Mm -hmm. But if he and the giant are one, that could go back to the idea of integrating opposites. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think it it's also, again, it's, it's a reflection of Cooper's own desires and anxieties. And I think he is being told, and we, the audience, are being told with him that he may have thought that he had this all figured out. Yeah, right. But he actually knows nothing about how all of this is works yeah, exactly. and what it's for and what the purpose is. Yeah. And he may have thought that the giant was on his side and was trying mm -hmm. to help and was trying to protect people and, you know, bring justice. But is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the ending of uh, the second Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where you finally transcend and then realize you didn't, you had no idea yeah. what was going on to begin with. Yeah. I mean, we're, we talked about the Neoplatonists, but now yeah. we're, now we're at Gnosticism. Yes. Uh, so uh, the boundaries are unclear. There are different figures that we see, but we're not sure if they're really who they are mm -hmm. or not. It's not clear whether the Laura that we see here is really Laura. Yeah. Um, and Cooper is also moving back and forth between two rooms in the red room connected by a hallway that seem mm -hmm. to be basically the same, but not. Right. Um, 
and it's uh, it's a little unclear how exactly they're different. There are also two statues of Venus. Mm -hmm. One is the kind of classic Venus de Milo figure with no arms, and one does have arms. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's... We might have to puzzle over that one a little longer. Yeah, and and again, we're we're not putting this aside forever after this episode. We're going to keep thinking about it and talking about it. But, you know, it, it's not a cop out to say it's meant to be confusing. It really mm -hmm. is. It's, it's meant to be ambiguous, if only because it's confusing and ambiguous to Cooper. Well, it's a, it's a realm of obscuration mm -hmm. and a, the, the forces at work here are, um, akin to a trickster god. Let's yes, see. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think maybe the suggestion is just that um, everybody in Twin Peaks who's talked about it has talked about the white and black lodges as like opposing forces um, that are clearly distinct. But these figures who occupy them and who occupy the Red Room there's nothing to indicate that they see it that way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that they might see themselves as occasionally opposing allies who are just doing their different jobs, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's a very old idea too. Um, like, you know, if you read, this is, this is not the source of the old idea, but I, I always think of the line in the book, Good omens that talks about angels and demons as kind of being like low-level spies um, on opposite sides during the Cold War who mm -hmm. might find out that they have more in common with their immediate adversary than with their remote supervisor. Right. Um, and it's it's very possible that the man from another place and the giant are like that. Yeah, it's possible. But then again, that's something that doesn't really recur in return. No, it doesn't. But the giant just becomes more of an otherworldly figure who is looking down with a, yeah. um, a kind of aloof benevolence yes, to but, occasionally intervene for the good. Yes, but at the same time, both Mike and the brain tree, the evolution of the arm, um, intervene in more direct ways in Cooper's life to yes. guide him towards things what does the evolution of the arm do well it helps like warn him that it, the that attack is coming oh that's right um <laughs> i mean mike does more of it by like telling him to get the pie like, later for the mitchum brothers stuff like that we'll talk about that <laughs> but it's um they're they're definitely positioned yes. as like maybe not quite trustworthy but still people who are trying I say people, figures, who are trying to yeah. set Cooper on a particular path. And the audience, at least, mm -hmm. is set up to want him to follow their advice. True. And maybe the aspects of mm -hmm. the man from another place that are that seem sinister, mm -hmm. that's just our lack of understanding. Maybe. That he seems sinister to us because he's a higher order being. Mm -hmm. that, uh, and we don't know, you know, he has a different standard of normalcy. <laughs> yeah, really all he's done that's bad, at least so far, is just not really care. Yeah, um, he doesn't seem that <laughs> like he cares. And um, Whereas the giant does seem to care right. about what happens. 
Yeah, the man from another place almost seems like he's sort of messing with mm-hmm. Cooper a little bit. He's kind of smug. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, but he gives clues, you know. Yeah, and you, yeah, that's right. And you could see the whole business with the coffee cup as being mm-hmm. a demonstration. Again, the, to what end is not clear. Yeah. But maybe he's trying to help. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. What do we think about the coffee? Um. Well, Cooper loves his coffee. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, um, he's given coffee he can't drink. <laughs> and, but it's, it's interesting because what I kept thinking of when he's given the coffee is stories, again, King Arthur from like, um, British, European, um, but especially British and Irish mythology around the fairy realm where you have to be careful never to eat or drink oh, anything that they give you um, because it, it'll mean you're trapped there if you do. Interesting. Yeah, it could be. I also thought maybe he's in the, the realm of hungry ghosts mm, of Buddhism. Yeah. Where... Um, it's a kind it's not hell exactly but it's a it's a sort of state a negative state that you get into by being it, it varies but mm-hmm. say by being greedy or being yeah. gluttonous mm-hmm. or having unchecked desires yeah and so you uh are reborn as a ghost who is perpetually thirsty yeah yeah but um, for various reasons you can't drink. Like, for example, maybe you have, like, a really small throat. Mm. That's interesting. So you can only get in one drop at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it, obviously, coop, uh, coffee is kind of like a totem of, for the show. Mm-hmm. And is is a, 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 a symbol of Twin Peaks, the quirky... Yes. Uh, the, uh, the safe, quirky show. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's important that Lynch has, t- has zoomed in on that. Yeah, and for is sure. taking that element, that mm-hmm. symbol. That, yeah. Um, and is, uh, you know, literally like sh- stretching. I mean, he's, he's like stretching it, uh, changing it. It's unclear whether this is a change in time mm-hmm. that's been slowed down or just t- change in texture. But saying that thing that <laughs> you <laughs> feel so... That makes you feel comfortable here. Yes. Is not what it seems to be. Yeah. And you don't understand its properties. And its properties change over time. Right. And you change over time. Mm-hmm. And your perception of time changes yeah. with time and yeah. space. No, I think that's exactly it. And then, you know, again, the um, what we see during the credits is that coffee cup with Laura's face in it. Yeah, yeah. Which is a very... Um, it's a very interesting image and that I think, um, you know, you could connect to movies like Odd Man Out and Taxi Driver, um, where people see yeah, uh, things yeah, yeah. reflected in like the bubbles in a drink. But right. I, I think it's, yes, it's positioning the, the cup of coffee as the, you know, the wonderful image of Twin Peaks, but it contains something that is much darker. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that there was something a little sinister about the way that Laura was smiling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In the coffee? In or... the coffee. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like her sort of 
naive beatific smile in sure. the picture mm -hmm. that we used to see in the right the closing credits mm -hmm. but there's it almost reminded me of the woman behind the radiator <laughs> mm, yeah yeah uh but anyway uh we're not at the end yet no uh let's see um so we get lots of laura yes but is she but she's not laura is she laura is she not laura well at certain points she explicitly has the cloud of her eyes that mm -hmm. seems to right the that, that, that she's the doppelganger right and she has a lot of screaming mm -hmm. um cheryl lee is still number one screamer in cinema <laughs> yes. or television nobody can do it like her yeah and um uh, although not before she says, I'll, you know, I'll see you like, in 25 years. Yes, but she would. You know, and now we connect that with the return. I wonder what, how you would interpret that before the return came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe you would just say, oh, this is something they were planning for if they, if they did, in fact, get a third season. Yeah. Maybe but... it would take place 25 years later and everybody would be in terrible old age makeup. <laughs> yes. And, and there would be flying cars because who knew what the world would right. look like in the far, far off yes. lands of 2017. Yeah. But meanwhile, mm -hmm. uh, and then she makes a hand gesture. Yes. There are lots of hand gestures. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, I hate to go on and on about Buddhism, mm -hmm. but this is... In uh, esoteric Buddhism, you have mudras, which are like hand gestures that, when combined with um, other techniques mm -hmm. like uh, mantras mm -hmm. and mandalas, mm -hmm. which allow you to visualize, mm -hmm. you, then you have uh, body, speech, and mind together right. that allows you to, uh, in some way, transcend the ordinary experience. Hmm. That's interesting. So what does that mean for Laura here? Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, just, well, and, and, you know, and, and I think between Lynch and Frost and their knowledge of Buddhism and the occult, mm -hmm. you know, I just thought that maybe that's a touchstone for some of these things. Yeah. Um, more, more obviously, a gesture is, a, is something that is obviously meant to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. But if you don't already know what it means, mm -hmm. then you are you all you it tells you that you don't know something yeah you know what i mean yeah mm -hmm. it's telling you something but all, all it's telling you is this means something yeah but i don't know yeah it's it's hearing somebody speak a language that you don't know but you can right. recognize it as, as a language yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah this is this is this is a world with uh with its own rules mm -hmm. and that cooper just doesn't understand Right. And that Wyndham Earl doesn't understand. Yeah. It's um it's interesting though to think of Lara being in the red room um and putting that in context with um Leland's death scene. Yeah. Where he said he saw a light and he mm -hmm. saw Lara there and she was beckoning him or, or like welcoming him. Yeah, I guess into the afterlife, and does that complicate it at all? Yeah, see, I don't think that we ever see the real Laura in, in the red room in this mm -hmm. episode. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think this is 
some kind of protection. So you think Lara is, for lack of a better word, in heaven? Well, um, I think that Lynch intended the ending of Firewalk With Me to be the ending of the story of both Laura and Cooper. Mm. Because it allows Cooper to finally be the hero. Yeah. And it allows... Laura to finally have peace. Exactly. Yeah. And I, to me, that's definitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Of course, like you said, time doesn't work in a linear fashion here. Yeah. So it could be that that is sort of in the future mm-hmm. uh, in relation to what we see in this episode. Or in, even in the return. But I think that Cooper, well, I think that we don't see Laura in that black dress in Firewalk With Me in the Red Room. I'd have to look. <laughs> I'm I'd, not I'd sure. have to look. We'll We'll see. But it's it's a dress that's repeated because she wears it in the return too. Yeah, which is meant to tie it to the to this scene mm-hmm. or these scenes. But yeah, um, I think that I don't know. Yeah, what we see in Firewalk with Me is that Laura shows up in the red room, mm-hmm. sees Cooper there, meaning it's sort of chronologically after he gets stuck there Mm -hmm. but then the angel appears yeah and then she goes to wherever she goes right and there's really not any time that she spends just hanging out there Mm -hmm. yeah so that's sort of my take and any other laura he sees there is a projection or doppelganger Mm -hmm. or or whatever yeah and i think my interpretation of leland's vision at his death is that he's not really seeing laura herself he's seeing a projection of his own wants exactly exactly which is he wants laura and he wants to be forgiven yeah well speaking of leland you see him here the great ray wise all the all the old gang is back Mm -hmm. all of the heavy hitters are back yeah it's great to see him he knows it of course, it's just two seconds long, but it's obviously, it's perfect. Yeah, and this this Leland is uh, is definitely not Leland. Because hmm. doesn't he have the clouded eyes too? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, he's, he's like a, uh, he has a sort of smug attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and like I said before, what he says is, I never killed anybody, yes. or I didn't kill anybody. And it's um, it's just, it's more denial, mm-hmm. always with Leland. It's just it's denial, denial, denial. Everybody denies for him, too. Everybody is in denial about what he did and his responsibility for it. And maybe they're right to be in denial about that. You know, maybe you want to make the argument that it was all Bob and not Leland. That's certainly what Cooper says to Sarah. But I think the show presents it as um, a false denial. Yeah, it really seems like Leland is mocking Cooper Mm -hmm. when he says this. Yep. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't kill anyone, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, I'm being shown a picture here. Yeah, I looked up the picture of Laura in the red room at the end of Firewalk wow. with me. And she it, is wearing the dress. It is the same dress, yeah. So then, yeah, maybe you're right that between that scene and <laughs> between Laura ascending mm-hmm. and these scenes, uh, yeah, there could be some some kind of time to the yeah. extent that time exists here. Mm-hmm. 
taking place so that such that this some of the Lauras that we see here are the real Laura. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um yeah. Well, and also no, that makes sense because also we know that when Laura in the previous uh, in the previous Red Room scene, mm-hmm. way back in season one, yeah, where Laura whispers to Cooper, mm-hmm. that is really Laura because she had the dream. It's a shared dream, exactly. exactly. A shared dream across time streams. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, great. Thank you for straightening me out here. You're welcome. <laughs> where were we? Uh, Leland. Leland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not, is there much more to say about that? Yeah, I guess I just um, I don't know. It's great to see Ray Wise even mm-hmm. for a minute, and 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 it's a reminder that again, um, none of this is over, right? You know, like none none of the conflict or violence that was yes. set free by Lara's death is gone, right? Yeah. That's just like what Wendell Merle said. Mm-hmm. They're not dead. Yes. Uh, meaning that these ramifications continue. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, the past isn't even the past, right? Exactly. Yeah, one thing we kind of skipped over is right at the very beginning when uh, Cooper enters the Red Room, mm-hmm. there's a musical number. Yes. Uh, with this singer, mm-hmm. Jimmy Scott. Yeah. I'll look him up. He was mostly a jazz singer mm-hmm. um, and uh, really want to dig into his catalog because he's a fantastic singer. He's yeah, a male... I really love this performance. Yeah, he's a male contralto. Mm-hmm. Apparently he had some kind of disorder that stunted his growth, Yeah, um, which is an interesting parallel with, um, uh, uh, what's the name of the actor who plays the man from another place? I don't remember and it's ridiculous of me that I don't remember. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but Jimmy Scott is... Uh, really uh a terrific singer mm-hmm. and here he's singing a lynch battle of Minty original yes about... i guess julie cruz was the one um old timer that they couldn't get back for this episode maybe because i feel like oh it, yeah you almost like think it should it should have been her but but jimmy but scott's great so mm-hmm. Mike, michael anderson michael anderson the man from another place also known as the arm wasn't michael anderson the name of the uh an actor who was on Night Court. I don't know. Anyway. Possibly. <laughs> anyway. This is not a podcast about Night Court. I know. So they sing this spooky song mm-hmm. about the wind blowing and the sycamore trees. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in the branches that blow. Yes. I think tying it to all of the scenes of wind blowing through trees that we get throughout the series. Yeah. And it that's such a um like a quintessential evocative twin peaks image the wind in the trees mm-hmm. and i think that's so i don't know i've thought and thought about what that means um the wind in the trees on twin peaks yeah. i keep thinking of um what's his name i think it was dw griffith who he was asked what cinema could do was an art form that other art forms couldn't do what separated it from just photography or theater um and he said cinema has the wind in the trees (laughs) nothing no other art form has that Mm -hmm. um and i think what he meant by that is that it could show time passing as Mm -hmm. it really passes right and it could show 
um, to the closest extent that uh, representation can, it can show what we really see as we see it. Yes, I think that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the wind is also invisible. Yes. And it's the, the, uh, the, a sign of things unseen. Well, that's what D.W. Griffith meant too. It, um, cinema is the only thing that can show an action that is not visible in an instant. Right. That is only visible through action. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I think on Twin Peaks, the wind in the trees is this recurring image and sound. It's um, it is the visible manis- manifestation of what we can't see. Right. Yeah. The spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all these spiritual forces mm-hmm. that are constantly acting. Right. And the trees themselves are connected with the spirits in the woods, mm-hmm. with the nature that is underneath the town. Yeah. Um, and that is also destroyed by the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, People think of wind in the trees as being like a voice, mm-hmm. as maybe a murmuring, saying something, being a language in itself. Yes. So we can't understand. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. And it's something that exists because of relations between things. Like it's um, it's not the same as just wind on its own if it doesn't have something to right. rustle through or move through it's not the same and if there's no wind there the trees aren't the same yeah yeah and it's it's something that can't be part of the commodity that you create when you cut the tree down and sell it yes yeah and the yeah it's and it comes from a confluence of forces Mm -hmm. uh and yeah, I like what you said about about film and TV. It's also like this, how it shows time. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Tarkovsky's idea that making a movie is sculpting in time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it shows us change. Right. Or if it shows us something static, then it becomes the expectation of change. Right. Or an encounter with our desire for change, mm-hmm. our desire for something to be... Uh, different yep so it is it is like a simulation of being alive Mm -hmm. um as it's creating patterns that we that then build desire expectation fear yeah and then those get disrupted right exactly and they get disrupted because the nature of time is fleeting Mm -hmm. and empty Mm -hmm. because what exists is the wind and the trees yeah it's neither the wind nor the trees yeah um, but the wind is also the wind in the trees. The tree is also the wind in the trees. It's yeah. all a confluence of factors that come together right. without any, mm-hmm. um, there's never anything that is fundamental mm-hmm. to the system. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. But what does it mean here? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they singing about it now? Who's the you and who's the me? Yeah, uh, apparently mm-hmm. this is some dialogue from an early draft of uh, 
a lost or never made Lynch movie called Running Rocket. Oh, he'll make it one day. Yeah. Which I don't remember what that's about. Like, it's about I mean, a it's about a boy who's also a rocket. Well, does it, there's electricity is a big theme, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, the sycamore trees also tie it to the King Arthur. Yeah. Well, they they tie it to that clue mm-hmm. that's that's also tied to King Arthur. Yeah, Glastonbury Grove, sycamore trees. Uh, yeah, but I mean, this is this is kind of irreducible, right? This mm-hmm. is is an experience. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's not something that you can really decode. Mm-hmm. It's spooky. It's a spooky song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wh- why is that guy there? He disappears. We never see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, although we do see, uh, you know, we see similar figures in the red room. Yes. People that sort of introduce things mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or um, or perform. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and, sort of, I'm sort of conflating the Roadhouse from the Return as well. Yeah, this. well, I think the Roadhouse and the Return becomes a kind of um, spooky space more so than it is in uh, the show. But I yeah. think e- even even in the show so far, the Roadhouse seems to have some kind of special connection to the Red Room, if only because Cooper has so many visions at the Roadhouse yes. of the Red Room and of figures from there and from. Yeah. the other side i guess mostly the giant but not exclusively yeah but uh to go back to what it means i'll see you in the branches that blow mm-hmm. uh you know i think this ties in with um uh the idea that um it's the idea of apps uh, that those who are gone are not gone yeah yeah they're not dead their hands touch yours and mine. Right. And that uh, this is, you know, it's something that you may say when someone dies. Mm-hmm. That you'll still see them yeah. in the world around you. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It, it is actually true. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, But it can also tie in with the King Arthur idea that he's gone, but not really. Yeah, that he became part of Britain in some way. Yes. Um. And there are like lots of um, myths about like martyr kings from all over the world that they turned into trees or mountains that they became kind of one with the land. Right. Yeah, or like uh, it's talking myself where Robert oh says, yeah, if you want me again, look for me under your boot soles. You will hardly know who I am or what I mean, but I shall be good health to you nevertheless, and filter and fiber your blood. Right. Right. Yeah. This. It's yeah. A, it's a very old idea. Right. It, and it. Yeah. It is tied to this idea of death as merging with nature, mm-hmm. and that this kind of connection with nature is maybe healthier than the idea that we do violence to nature to create humanity over and against nature. Maybe that's what the love lady meant by saying, "Only when we are everywhere." Yeah, when you're in the sycamore trees. Mm-hmm. When you're in the wind, when you're in the yes. ground. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I do think it, for Lynch, it's probably not just completely materialistic. No, of course not. But nature is not separate from these greater, you know, again, it goes back to another Log Lady intro. Mm-hmm. This is like the QAnon of Log Lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
where she says she's given us drops yeah that <laughs> that uh yeah that like uh the world is the world that we see is a clue yes you know so nature is something but mm-hmm. it's not just what it appears to be right to say that nature is just stuff Mm-hmm. And we're conscious and therefore somehow above nature, which is unconscious. That is already to separate ourselves from nature. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to mechanize nature and make nature a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the idea of going, of dying and returning to nature mm-hmm. is not like you lose your consciousness that makes you better than nature. Yeah. It's the idea that nature is already over and above consciousness Mm. and is is more than what we create by seeing it yeah yeah uh and then uh there's the strobe light effect and it's a lot more subtle than the strobe effect in the last episode yes uh because it's their strobes placed all around Mm -hmm. and they're sort of flashing over cooper's face right what he looks on kind of in a daze sure it reminded me of 2001 yeah it did remind me of the end of 2001 yeah probably deliberate you know regarding I, think, journey, I think so right a journey outward that, that is also a journey inward mm-hmm. but it's also seeing again death as a kind of path oh, yeah. to regeneration oh yeah and actually i think i think that in the original script cooper did sort of go like uh become like old like young and mm-hmm. old yeah I, I have to check that like mm-hmm. there was some kind of yeah like a like a 2001 type yeah uh time uh time warp i guess yeah lynch probably thought that would be too obvious <laughs> i think so uh-huh. uh so yeah anyway uh i didn't want to 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 circle back on those details before we move forward um but yeah after that we get all the friends are there and <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what they're called. And Cooper then spends a lot of time walking around. Mm-hmm. And it, these scenes are so fascinating. Yeah. Because at first there's a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. But I feel at a certain point, the tension you uh, kind of falls away and it's replaced by something else that you just don't get hardly... I, it's just a one of a kind thing. Yeah. Because the main character is reduced to this passive state. Yes. And he seems to be a, somehow sleepwalking almost. Mm-hmm. He's not able to be, to have the agency that he normally has. Yes. Uh, and it's so, so, like in a dream, it's almost like on rails as he walks around mm-hmm. and has various reactions, but you can't always predict what he's going to do. Right. You don't know what you, what is he doing? What does he want to do? What mm-hmm. what do we want to what are we doing? What do here? we want to get out of this? Why did he come here in the first place? So there's something almost a little static about some of these scenes when he's mm-hmm. walking around. Um, but it's not bad. Yeah. It's just very strange. Mm-hmm. It's probably more suspenseful when people were watching for the first time thinking at any moment. Yeah. We were going to get the solution to everything. Mm-hmm. By rewatching it it's just very interesting it's there's some it kind of slows down yeah because we're just sort of exploring this space that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. uh, but then of course a lot of a lot of frightening things start happening right very quickly right uh we have laura screaming and running at the camera mm-hmm. 
Um, which is interesting because it's like her fear becomes scary to, I don't know. That's yeah. a thing to say. It's, you know, it's like screaming is a reaction of fear and terror. But it seems like she's trying to scare us. Right. It's like her fear becomes a, a, like the roar of a... A banshee. A banshee, yeah. Mm-hmm. The scream of a banshee or like the growl of an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like a demonic figure here. Yes. If it's really her. And no, I think this is a doppelganger of mm-hmm. sorts. But it, it also is sort of the return of the repressed. The, sure. The sheer terror and horror of the murder that Cooper mm-hmm. wanted to repress by, or domesticate again, by, you know, through uh, the through the legal process. Yeah, by, by solving it and then saying that it was just basically a case of a split personality and right. that's it. Yeah, or thinking that, there, that you could move past it, that yeah. to solve the murder is to move past it mm-hmm. because it can't be undone. Right. So there's also lots of fire. Yeah. There are these weird cuts where you just see the whole screen is full, filled with fire. Yeah. And Cooper repeats the fire walk with me oh, line yeah, right. at the beginning of the episode. Not the whole poem, but I think we're supposed to be thinking of it. Yeah. And the man from another place says it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had interpreted fire as being maybe evil or destructive forces. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, we, we see, uh, well, let's talk about souls. Okay. Because Wyndham Earl uh, wants to make a deal with Cooper. Yes. Again, it's very Faustian. Yeah. So Wyndham Earl is, uh, he, he just arrived in the red room and, and he's, he's ready to start taking souls. Right. <laughs> he thinks he can play with the big boys. He thinks he's the devil now. He thinks he's the devil now and he's come to do the devil's work, mm-hmm. but he knows nothing. Right. He doesn't know how the rules work. No. He can't take Cooper's soul. No, he can't. And he can't offer anything in exchange for it. Right. Yeah. That's the deal is that he will let Annie live. Mm-hmm. And it's reflection of Cooper's noble mm-hmm. instincts that right. he is willing to do that. Right. Although, you know, what does that really mean mm-hmm. to lose your soul? Is it just to be trapped there or does it mean right. he would be evil? And yeah. would he then return as evil Cooper and do evil things? And is that really a worthwhile trade? Yeah. And is that what happens? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it seems like he doesn't sell his soul to Not to Wyndham Earl. Because Bob appears and mm-hmm. puts it puts Wyndham Earl in his place. Yes. And takes his soul mm-hmm. in the form of fire. I love this little, this uh, sequence mm-hmm. with the fire coming out from behind yeah. Wyndham Earl and it, it goes backwards and mm-hmm. Wyndham, Wyndham Earl does a weird thing with his hands where his yeah. hands kind of are like up and fall, but it's filmed backwards. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah. I, in general, I like how Lynch has used Wyndham Earl in this episode because he does finally make him genuinely very scary and finds the scary stuff in his story but um Windermerl is small potatoes yeah 
Yeah. Compared to the other things we've dealt mm-hmm. with and will deal with. Yeah. He's yeah. Just... He's dispatched. Yeah. And never returns. No. Yeah. I guess he's just stuck, you know, in the red room or. Right. And I, you know, Hawk said your soul can be annihilated. Maybe that means, yeah, maybe that means you're gone. Mm-hmm. You're not anywhere. It's very possible. If you really play with fire, maybe that's what happens. Mm-hmm. You don't get a bardo. <laughs> you don't get to be trapped. You're mm-hmm. just gone. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if fire is also the soul or a spiritual force. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to play a generative or... Um, yeah, I guess generative is the word I'm looking for role right. at any point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it can. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the way we, the way we think of fires and especially the way fire interacts with forests and, um, oil and oil, like it's, um, it doesn't have to be something that is purely destructive. It can also right. be productive it can also be ultimately generative um but within the context of the show i'm not sure the fire is ever yeah is ever a good thing it seems like it's associated with destruction that Mm -hmm. separates yeah and unites yeah and that arises from separation Mm -hmm. and is also related with machinery and capitalism Mm -hmm. and the fire that burns down the mill well, it's, um, you know, we keep talking about Faust, but um, you know, I, I think you can think of Prometheus, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a tool that people use that maybe we're not supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's too strong for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, actually, that's what Hawk says in The Return, right? Mm-hmm. That there's this... I'm gonna get it wrong. Mm-hmm. On the map in the return, there's something that represents fire. Yeah, yeah. Or energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a lot of business with Annie and Caroline being conflated. Yes. Which, yeah, that's. I think that's pretty obvious. I I think that's like the most obvious part of this whole episode, um, and it's. Um, vindicating our perspective of Cooper as somebody who makes the same mistake over and over again. Mm-hmm. He's done the same thing to Annie that he did to Caroline, which is yeah. um, try so hard to be the hero that he got her killed. Yeah, repeating the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's stuck in the past. Right, exactly. He's stuck in a groove. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I think yeah, that's what we're in territory. We won't, we won't belabor the point. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, and then uh, at a certain point, we see Cooper's doppelganger. Yeah. Who runs around in this kind of madcap way. Yes. Uh, that's really unnerving. When we first see him, the way he's sort of running around, it reminds me, uh, probably just because uh, we just watched this again, but the mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, the hitchhiker right. Who moves around kind of like a living ragdoll. Uh-huh. For sure. And uh, yeah, and then there's a sequence where Cooper is chasing his doppelganger, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe the other way around. I mean, uh, well, a lot happens. You know, we see uh, 
um, Cooper and Annie dead mm -hmm. on the floor and things like that. But I think that all sort of goes back to his unresolved issues mm -hmm. uh, with the death of Caroline. Yeah. Um, but it, it ends with this almost slapstick chase. Yeah. <laughs> like Yakety Sax should be playing. Yeah. But and, but I think that's on purpose. Like, you know, that it's again, it's that mixture of tone. Mm -hmm. that it's so dark and unsettling and surreal and horrifying but then it's yeah it's a little funny the way they are running around like they're the, like like the beatles in a hard day's yeah, night or something right but i think um the what i wrote down in my notebook when we were watching this last night um was scuttling question yeah, mark yeah. <laughs> um like a little crab or a spider yeah and I've always um, thought that Frank Silva, who plays Bob, whenever he's on the show, he moves like a big spider, yeah. like his, his, or or like gorilla-like in the way that like he's kind of hunched over and his limbs kind of drag right, a right, bit right. on the floor, and um, he never stands up straight. He right, never just right. walks. It's this kind of um, animal-like. Yeah. Evasive, like vermin y yeah. motion. Yeah. 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 It's pretty scary, mm -hmm. I think. Yep. Uh, and so that, then it is very suddenly. Mm -hmm. So, what is the last scene in the Red Room? Is it Bob laughing? Yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. It just, yeah, it's so chaotic. Yeah. It's but it's Bob and the uh, Cooper doppelganger laugh together. There's lots of really great lighting effects here. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it almost seems to distort the yeah, faces right. of the characters when they're, it's dark, but there's some, looks like different colored lights that are lighting them up. Mm -hmm. um, then we see the waterfall. Yes. Yes. And I don't, I'm not sure what that means. I don't know. I would, you know, maybe it, that's just sort of associated with time as well. Mm -hmm. The river always changing. Yeah, but especially in Twin Peaks, it's um, even as much as the woods, it drives the industry there. Yeah, that's true. Because weren't it, were it not for the river, there couldn't be a mill there. Right. Um, but it's a it's yeah. a it's a force that it's a force of energy mm -hmm. that is not destructive. Yeah, well, I guess it can be destructive too, but you know, well, you know, in talking the, it broadly, makes the mill run, but right, it's opposed to fire, and the fire is yes. energy that is destructive and violent, mm -hmm. whereas water can create energy just by move by its continual motion. Yeah, it's it's just water doing what water will do, right? Regardless of what anybody does to it, it right. will create motion it will move it will create more yeah. motion that creates energy whereas fire has to be created it's like two two ways of looking at or conceiving of time yeah that even though it's the same but when you're in a state of suffering mm -hmm. or uh delusion mm -hmm. time is fire because it's constantly burning you and mm. burning i was gonna go somewhere life. else with that whereas water is that constant motion as something that is cleansing and clarifying mm -hmm. and freeing. I was going to agree that water is that um, they're both different ways of looking at time. 
um, but in a different way in that fire um, and the changes brought about by fire is akin to thinking of time as one thing happens Mm -hmm. and then there's a process like a fire that burns. And then after the fire is burned, something else is there. Whereas the movement of water is something that's uh, continuous. You can't really tell where it starts and stops. Right. Um, Every portion of it is part of the entire chain. Yes. Yes. Um, and it is continuous and it will keep going no matter what. Yeah. And you can't like separate it out into discrete parts of exactly. beginning, middle, and yeah, end. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Well, I think um, we've said all we can say for right now about the Red Room. I mean, this is something that we're going to keep returning to again and again. Again, we're going to do um, one big episode on everything we know about it so far in these two seasons. And um and ultimately the film. And of course, there will be more to talk about once we do get to the return. Mm-hmm. So why don't we talk about the last scene? Yes. So Cooper wakes up in his hotel room with Truman and Doc Hayward, who I think we can say are the um, biggest or, you know, most effective avatars of uh, manly virtue. Mm-hmm on Twin Peaks and in Twin Peaks. Yeah. And um, they assure him that everything's going to be okay. Annie's okay. And he's okay. And Annie's okay. Even though we never see her again. Even though we never see her again. With an exception, perhaps. Right. It's out of of time. Yes. So we can talk about that, too. But, um, But he's not okay. Well, he just needs to brush his teeth. Mm. I need to brush my teeth. A normal thing mm-hmm. that a normal person says. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is almost a little comic that they don't realize something's wrong with Yeah, them. and I will get to this in the return, you know, mm-hmm. because in the return so much time has passed that you have to wonder, like, when when did the Twin Peaks gang cotton on to Cooper not being quite himself? Right. Because, like, clearly he... Um, by the return, as far as like the FBI and everyone is concerned, he's disappeared. But what do they think of him after he comes back? Do they do they think he's just changed, being weird, or what? Yeah. What do they think? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's uh, very good acting by Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you mentioned uh, when we watched it last night that it was uh, pretty much in line with his performance as Evil Cooper. In The Return, return. yeah. Yeah, he definitely uh, was able to slip right back into that, which is impressive. And actually, I think there was a little Dougie in this episode. Oh, you think? Well, the scene with the coffee. Yeah. When he's looking at the coffee. And he doesn't know what to make of it, right? And then when he spills it, he makes a face. Mm -hmm. You're right. So we got all three of them here. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, but yes, the, the reveal at the end of the episode is that whatever is there in that hotel bathroom, whether it's Cooper or Cooper's doppelganger, uh, it's really Bob. Mm -hmm. Bob is, Bob is in control. 
uh, the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob wins. Bob. Yeah. Bob you know won. he's evil because he wastes a whole tube of toothpaste. Exactly. Who does that? <laughs> um, I love that though. It's yeah. because it's like it's almost childlike. It's such an interesting way to show that there's something wrong mm-hmm. before you see Bob in the reflection. Right. It's not explicitly destructive or evil. Mm-hmm. It's just. He looks down and starts squeezing it and just has such a weird look on his face. Yeah. Um, it, but, but again, like I said, touch. it's it's childlike. It's like he's trying to find out what, what happens when you do that. Yeah, but it's also like he's imagining it's a person. <laughs> right. I think that's there too. The neck that he's squeezing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I really love how it's filmed. Basically, you you see Cooper, and you see that he's in front of a mirror, but you don't get the actual reflection until the very, very end of the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's um, once you notice that you're not seeing it, it's very suspenseful. Yep. He says, how's Annie? How's Annie? Which uh, kind of reminds me of uh, what happened to Josie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the way he's like mocking himself saying it is mm-hmm. so unsettling. It is. It is. Like he's he said it to pretend to be Cooper and now he's mocking it because it's the kind of thing Cooper would say and he has contempt for Cooper. Right. Right. And and also like what happened to Josie. It's um it's what Bob does. Bob is strengthened by the pain and fear and suffering of people and i think as we can see especially women Mm -hmm. and um whatever happened to annie it made bob feel good yeah and if we go by the final dossier Mm -hmm. annie is not okay yeah uh that's my yeah to answer Mm -hmm. michael jackson's question (laughs) annie is not okay no uh because she remains uh in a coma yeah and mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess she says i'm fine every year at the same time yeah i don't yeah. know it's a little silly but i do you know i think uh, even regardless of what truman or doc hayward mm-hmm. says um you don't uh, when the episode ends you don't necessarily feel like everything's okay yeah you don't feel obviously everything's not okay but you know how is Annie? Mm-hmm. Like the answer to that question isn't obvious. Even, well, or you, you may right. think he, she's alive. She's okay for now. But if Cooper is, if evil, he gets a hold of exactly. her, yeah, she's in more danger than anybody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. So it's very dark. Yes, it's, and yeah, the whole it may, it means yeah. that the whole series uh, before the return happened was about the failure, the tragic failure of the hero. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Let's talk about, I mean, this is the second Bob possession we've seen on the show, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is very brief. But um, I think we can tell that Bob Cooper is extremely different than Bob Leland. Well, I don't know. You don't? Well, I think... You're thinking of the return, hmm. and we'll have to revisit this question with the return. Okay. When he says he has to go brush his teeth, yeah, that's what. Yeah, like that's the the kind of monotone, stilted, right? Almost robotic. Yeah, which is not at all like Leland is at the height of his possession. 
Right. And I think the way I interpret that is this is a tulpa, mm -hmm. a, um, a, a fabrication, mm -hmm. although if you go deeper, it's a some element of Cooper that's been separated from him. Sure. But it's uh, not, he's not human. Yeah. Even apart from whether Bob is in there or not. Right. He's not human. So maybe if the real Cooper were possessed by Bob, he would act differently. Right. But there, yeah, the reason I was disagreeing is because when he uh, is saying how's Annie, mm -hmm. then he seems like Bob. Sure. And I think the way they, I think we were supposed to think, mm -hmm. oh yeah, Bob Bob is in this doppelganger the way that he was in Leland. Yeah. But that's not really how it played out in Return, where right. it seems like the doppelganger Cooper is able to keep a pre is able to somehow control Bob mm -hmm. and never really lets, very rarely lets out anything animal. Yeah. Maybe never. Yeah. Because he does violence, but it's always in a cold way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's a distinction that you're getting at. Yeah, but I think, I guess I think that distinction is already there. Um, apart from that one bit at the very end. Um but I do, I don't know. Well, I know you've said that or speculated maybe that uh, um, it's because Leland, or it's because Bob, possession by Bob will manifest differently for different people. So yes, for Cooper, that's really what I'm getting at. It's uh, because Cooper is more, uh, is a cerebral person. Mm -hmm. Then Bob and him is more cold and... Yeah, yeah, I think part of that. And I think it's... Um, rather than explosive and reckless and irrational. Right. And I think, too, we're always supposed to be wondering with Bob and whoever he's managing, um, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better word. It's not so clear cut. Right, yes. Um, who, who is in charge and whose personality right. is the dominant one, whether Bob is something that allows you to do what you already wanted to do, but mm. never did. Yeah. Um, I think there are parts of the return that, in, that do indicate that for Cooper. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think you can definitely make that argument with Leland that, that the possession by Bob, even if it was real and not just a metaphor, which mm. I think you can't really go down on one side or the other. I think you can make the argument that, um, Bob allowed Leland to act on his deeply yeah. repressed desires mm -hmm. um, for both incestuous uh, relations with his daughter and for violence. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's very complicated. Mm -hmm. And so I think the fact that they do seem different um sort of bolsters that ambiguity. It doesn't right. do away with it. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we'll have plenty of time to dig into that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think people must have thought when they saw this for the first time? I'd have been pissed off. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. If I, knew, if I knew the show wasn't coming back. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, I think it's a great ending. Yeah. Um, and I think it works even if there was no more. Well, I think, yeah. 
as an as its own ending. I like I love the ending of Firewalk with Me, and I love the ending of The Return. I feel like each each time they end this saga, they do a good job. Yeah. Um, and all three endings are very different. Yeah, although I feel like the the way I felt when The Return ended is probably not that far off from yeah how people felt probably the season two finale where you feel like things are finally becoming clear and and getting you somewhere and then that's taken away from you yeah yeah Mm -hmm. sure i mean when i say that i love these endings i think it's it's after they've had time to kind of marinate in my head yeah um the first time i saw um certainly the ending of the return i was kind of thrown for a loop um i didn't really know what i saw um but on reflection i really really liked it and i like this one um you know it's it's a downer mm-hmm. but i think it's a downer ending that that is earned because it it makes the show into like you said a tragedy yes it's a show about cooper failing yes and it's a deconstruction mm-hmm. of everything that came before yeah exactly an interrogation Mm -hmm. of uh all the things that that um all the the whole edifice yeah created up to that point or at least the way it had been interpreted by the audience as straightforward Mm -hmm. yeah of cooper as the hero cooper is the one who fixes twin peaks yeah as whatever problems might exist in Twin Peaks, they are fixable ones that just need a little uncovering and then mm-hmm. love and then they'll be fine. But um, kind of the best you can hope for some of these people is that they go in less destructive circles. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and from what we see in the return, from this moment on, it was just a slow decline. Right. Yeah, and, you know, we can see, I think this is mentioned in some of, like, the supplementary material, like the final dossier, that, you know, um, after this big explosion at the bank, um, Catherine did stop the Ghostwood development, Mm -hmm. and she just sort of went into seclusion and closed the mill and didn't do anything, and both of those things ending would have a terrible effect on the town's economy. Um it puts Ben Horn as the sole power in town. Mm-hmm. Um, but a service and tourism economy can't fully replace an industrial one, um, which means the town is going to decline economically. Um, and most of the people that we see in the return are in a not that great place yeah. with a couple of exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple that are, you know, in between, like most people in the world. Right. But, um, Twin Peaks itself seems to be in the world that the scenes in this last episode of season two are in, which is just, um, ominous again, in a way you can't quite identify. Right. And this weird combination of feeling like you're declining, but also that you're stuck. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, 
like uh, to quote someone, things, uh, everything stays the same, except it keeps getting worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Twin Peaks has come unstuck in time. Yeah. And the, yeah, the, the return feels even more like uh, it's about what it feels like to be alive after the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels much like, I don't know, because I'm not sure if people watching Twin the original run in the early 90s felt like this was tapping into a zeitgeist of any kind. Yeah, but I um, think it is. But, well, I guess what I mean is like, I don't know, did anyone feel, watch this and feel like, yeah, that's that's how I, it feels to be alive right now. Or yeah. did they see it as escapist? I, I think, think they, they talked pro- about an escapist. I think they probably talked about it in escapist terms or as intentionally old fashioned. Yeah, right. You know, because of just Lynch's style. Um, you know, right. all the teenagers dressed like they were in the 1950s and listened to 1950s music and said yeah. it was so dreamy. Right, um, yeah. And um, just the way the whole community is presented is, I think, deliberately nostalgic. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they thought about necessarily the fact that it is, I think, very timely as a story that is taking place um, in the neoliberal era right. <laughs> of uh, deindustrialization of um, unipolar American power uh, at the end of history. Yeah. And then when the return comes back, history is back yeah but the people in this town are still stuck in this um kind of time loop that um the liberal end of history necessitates Mm -hmm. because um if we're all in a world where we don't make anything and we don't have any obvious conflicts but we just buy and sell stuff to each other forever. That's not a world where things can change or move forward. Right. But yeah, well, it's like the, yeah, it's stasis, but also mm-hmm. decay. Yeah. And it's like, there's the crime problem. Mm-hmm. It like it's even worse than before. Right. Because, um, but because yeah. like the flaw in the theory of the end of history is that, um, that world where everybody just makes money and is fine with making money and they won't have conflict because they're all going to be working together to make money. That's not a world that includes everyone. It can't, right. You know, there are always going to be people who are at the bottom of the pyramid or who are left behind by that process and um, they might not be happy about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe another interpretation is that this is the world without Cooper. Yeah. Um, And I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not sure how I do. Yeah, but I think you can read it that way. It's a a world where Cooper has split, let's say. Yeah. And that where Cooper failed in splitting, Mm -hmm. but a united Cooper maybe is a better world. Well, this goes back to the Arthurian element Mm -hmm. that like... The return of Cooper as a whole person is hoped for as a regenerative yeah. process, something that regenerates the land itself mm-hmm. and redeems time. Yes. Yes. 
but I don't know. It's hard to know whether that's whether we should see that as real or another like delusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Cooper, because in the return when Cooper does come back, mm-hmm. and everyone was primed uh, after you know hours and hours of Dougie mm-hmm. to think, ah, it's all he's going to save the yeah, day now. Yeah, Daddy's home. He definitely did not save the day. No, he didn't. So. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's the the show was uh, difficult, self consciously difficult at the very end. Yeah, and a show that resists, God bless it resists mm-hmm. easy answers, easy solutions. Yeah, resists comfort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and thank God. All right, so um, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, to really talk about the second half of the season as a whole. And, um, you know, that'll be an interesting conversation because I think this half season is so mixed (laughs) in terms of what it has to offer. There's some real high highs and some real low lows. But um, we'll be here to talk about them before we move on to some of the intermediate Mm -hmm. stuff like the movie and the books. Yeah. So look forward to that. But for now, we wish you nothing but the very best in all things. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We are expecting to release new episodes of It's Not About the Bunny every two weeks. So if you like what you've heard and you want to keep listening, please subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review. If you don't like what you're hearing, that's cool. But please, please keep it to yourself. Bye. Yes.